Welcome to AI Arthritis Voices 360, the podcast solving today's most pressing issues in the AI arthritis community. We invite you all to the table, where together we face the daily challenges of autoimmune and autoinflammatory arthritis. Every Sunday, join our fellow patient co-hosts as they lead discussions in the patient community, as well as consult with stakeholders worldwide to solve the problems that matter most. Whether you are a loved one, a professional working in the field, or a person diagnosed with an AI arthritis disease, this podcast is for you. So pull up a chair and take a seat at the table. Hello and welcome to AI Arthritis Voices 360. This is the official talk show for the International Foundation for Autoimmune and Autoinflammatory Arthritis, or AI Arthritis for short. My name is Tiffany Westrich Robertson. I am your host today. I am also the CEO of this organization and a person living with AI arthritis diseases. This is a special episode because it is airing on Father's Day 2020. So first and foremost, I'd like to wish all the fathers out there a wonderful day and all the happiness in the world for you. I hope that you're able to spend some time with your children so they can show you just how appreciated that you are today. So I thought it was a good time to talk a little bit about my own personal journey with parenthood, if you will. <laughs> you know, from 16, age 16 to 31, I was a serial relationshipper. <laughs> if, that's, if that's a thing. Essentially, I was in long-term relationships back-to-back with only about two weeks in between from 16 literally till I was 31. And at that time, it was the, the very first time that I ever went for any significant duration without having a, a man in my life. And I think part of it too was I never really had that, whatever that feeling is, I don't even know what it's called, but that urge to be a mom. It just, I remember, you know, it comes up, obviously you're in relationships and People will, you know, your significant other mostly will say, you know, well, you know, what does our future look like? And I would, I remember saying when I was 20 or in my early 20s, I'd say, yeah, when I'm 30, I think I'll, I'll be ready. And then as 30 started to approach, I remember saying, well, maybe when I'm 35. <laughs> and then one of the last longer term relationships I had, which was after I took that break, I was uh, 34, I guess. Um, and that was the shortest one. It was only a year and a half. I mean, I was in long term relationships and he really, really wanted kids. And he would ask me a lot, you know, well, you never really talk about it. it are you sure you even want kids? And, and I guess I just always thought that's what you were supposed to do. And so I remember like, yeah, yeah, but pro probably not till I'm 40. And, you know, we ended up breaking up. And, and I really feel like a big part of that was because of me not being uh, just there and not having that, that feeling that, I, you know, I, I'm supposed to do this. And I don't know how much you believe or even I believe, you know, in, in, in the universe and, and how and how the mysteries of it all work. 
But it was almost like something was just telling me there was something else out there for me. There was something else I was supposed to do. And I'd also like to think that that's why I had such terrible breakups, because maybe the universe was telling me, don't go down that route. Stay away. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But anyway, I digress. So right after that breakup, that last breakup, I was 36 And I decided I am done with relationships. I am done. D-O-N-E. No more. Can't do it. Just not, not, no, nope, no, no, no. So I decided that I would be married to my job. I even got myself like a little ring. I got to look for that. I don't know where it is. And I said, you know, I was already a vice president at an architectural firm. I was teaching college. I was super happy. I was living in Los Angeles and I'm just, my career was really taking off. So I thought, you know what, that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to have, I'm not going to have kids and I'm not going to have a relationship either. That was part of it. I'm going to dedicate my life to my job. And then 37 came and onset of my what now is diagnosed as non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis, but there's a, a blend of some other lovely auto things happening there as well. But the point is, is that here I was now, 37, I had decided I was going to dedicate my life to my career. And I spent the next two being a mystery patient. <laughs> so it was really hard to have the same schedule that I that I had. It was very hard to do business development and project management and that time schedule when you have to go to events after hours and take clients to lunch and, and everything that comes along with that territory. So I felt my life sort of with this big question mark. I'd made my decision and now I don't know if I can even do that. And while I'm going to these doctor's appointments and just seemingly getting worse and nobody can tell me what's wrong with me, I'm I'm having this fatigue and this low-grade fever and and this this pain that nobody was tying together. It was like the auto plus the arthritis just wasn't happening. And I remember every time I'd go to a doctor's appointment, the first thing I do when I get off the phone is I call my parents. Well, I'd have to call my dad because my mom doesn't use a cell phone. So I call, I usually have to call like my dad's cell and I give him an update and, you know, I would never have an answer. And he gets so frustrated and he'd say, we just feel helpless. We, we, we feel like, uh, you know, we don't know what's, what's happening. Somebody's got to figure this out. I mean, you know, they're my parents. They were worried for my life. And I guess, you know, that's that's part of what this is about today is is as a parent, it doesn't matter how old you are, that that's your baby. Not only do you want the best for them, I mean, you you want to make sure that they're taken care of. You want to make sure that if they're injured, that they heal, <laughs> you know, and and that was just a really tough time for them. So then in 2009, when I finally did get a diagnosis, it ended up not being the right diagnosis, but it was of no fault to the rheumatologist. It just all signs pointed to something autoimmune arthritis. So I was given the diagnosis of rheumatoid arthritis and, and put on medications. And it seemed it seemed to help until the spondyloarthritis got a lot worse in 2013. What happened in 2009 was a really pivotal moment. And I didn't realize just how much until later. When I left the doctor's office from getting that diagnosis, I went home. I had said prior that whatever this ends up being, 
I am going to do something about it. I vow that I will do something with my life to make sure that no one else has to be a mystery patient. So when I got the diagnosis, I came home, I was by myself in my studio apartment, and I still remember just standing there declaring out loud to myself, (laughs) I will start an awareness movement to make sure that people understand what these diseases are so that we can have earlier detection and referral to a rheumatologist and a diagnosis. And especially so that people can get on therapeutic agents quicker and hopefully have better outcomes. So that was sort of the moment that the movement that later became the International Foundation for Autoimmune Autoinflammatory Arthritis was born. And I I use that term purposefully, born. That day in that little studio apartment, little did I know that I was giving birth to a movement that would never stop. Two years later, it became an official organization from a movement to an organization. And nine years later, here we are. This truly is my baby. Now, I did end up eventually getting married. (laughs) So the whole giving up on men thing didn't last permanently. I did end up getting married. But little did I know that my original declaration of being married to my job would result in this baby because I never did actually have physical children of my own. And I do call this my baby. You know, when you have a child, you give them your all. You want to teach them. You want to nurture them. You want them to have a better life than you did. All of those things, I feel that. When the organization was started, I was a business person. And I was pretty good at it. (laughs) And I wasn't ready to give it up. And it was a little tough to toggle those experiences into running an organization. But the really cool thing about that is all of those skills that I had has helped to develop who we are today. I mean, since inception, we have established the only awareness day specifically to focus on the auto or, you know, the full body diseases that come from the immune system, the autoimmune or the autoinflammatory, the auto plus arthritis, which is celebrated in several countries by thousands every May. From those efforts to differentiate arthritis types, we have continued our work to develop different detection models that we hope will help address that declaration that I made in, the, in, in that apartment that people should not have to wait so long to have detection, referral, diagnosis, access to treatment. Myself and several of the leaders in our organizations, we have been those patients on the advisory panels at legislative offices as research liaisons. And now we've taken those experiences and we're helping others have that same voice alongside other stakeholders as equals. That is very, very important to note. Through conversation with other people living with these diseases, not only did we realize the need for an organization that only focuses on this handful of diseases, as opposed to the 100-plus autoimmune and autoinflammatory, only the ones that include arthritis early on as well. That was discovered 
by talking to patients. But we've done so much else that has evolved into projects based on patients identifying and helping to solve the problems. We have realized that even though we have similar stories, some similar disease features, we all also have unique predispositions, unique disease progression, unique stories, and unique needs. And for those reasons, we have strongly dived into the world of both personalized medicine and precision medicine. Yes, they are different. You'll have to listen to one of our past episodes to learn a little bit more about that, <laughs> what that, that, that difference is. But the bottom line is we understand the uniqueness of each individual and our work into developing unique therapeutic management based on what a person prefers for themselves, plus what science is saying is best for their body, is at the forefront of our current projects. We are now developing a new database to house all of our work, thanks to our friends at Forward National Data Bank for Rheumatic Diseases, who are building and housing that for us. And it's going to take our work to next levels because every all those conversations we have, that the voices of those living from all over the world who are going to be able to use their voices to impact change can be recorded and disseminated among our organization and other researchers. We even sit on a couple dozen coalitions alongside our friends at major organizations like the Arthritis Foundation, National Psoriasis Foundation, Lupus Foundation. We're on international coalitions as well. Matter of fact, we hold the only seat for rheumatoid arthritis in the United States on the Global RA Network Coalition. I mean, we have made a name for ourselves, and I could not be a prouder parent <laughs> that has, has birthed all of this. But while I may have started it, I certainly am not alone. Many leaders have stepped up and are helping other patients from all over the world also have a voice as equals next to other stakeholders. So together we can have conversations that are needed to solve the problems that will impact education, efficacy, and research. But this organization is, is really still a child. I mean, it's, it's nine years old. Not in infancy, but not an adult. <laughs> so it does still need my help and, and the nurturing of the other leaders who have come into its life. But in order for the organization to continue developing, in addition to the leadership support, we also need the financial support that it takes to raise a child, <laughs> to, to develop them, to help them grow and become something truly amazing. We believe our children can change the world. We do. And I believe that that's what AI arthritis can do. So today I am asking for you to consider giving a donation to AI arthritis Help me and the other leaders at the organization continue putting our heart and our soul into helping build it so that all people living with these diseases from around the world can have that voice, can be part of the change that will improve detection, referrals, diagnosis, bring quicker and easier access to treatments, improve quality of life, 
raise the rates of remission and lower the percentages of disabilities. Help us teach the world the difference between arthritis types so the misunderstandings stop. I may have birthed a different kind of child, but I still love it with all my heart and soul. And I truly hope that as it grows, it will be a force. <laughs> I hope that it changes lives. It becomes a better version of what I was able to make it and that it continues to change the world and be the best it can be years after I'm gone. But to make that happen, we definitely need support. You know, I think back of when my parents were fearful, you know, of, of my livelihood. What's going to happen? What's wrong with my what's wrong with my daughter? I don't think there's anything wrong with our organization, but it needs help. It needs support to survive. Starting this week, we will be going down to one show that will air on Sundays. So this coming Wednesday will be a mini episode explaining the change. But one reason is because we are low on funds and we are dangerously getting low. We need people like you, people who believe in our mission, people who believe in the work we do. Please give. If you want this show and all of the other programs we're doing to continue, we need your support. I may have given birth to a movement that became this organization, and we have leaders who are dedicated and willing to keep it growing, building, expanding, and changing lives. But we also need your help to ensure we can continue what we do. So as I close this out today, I'd like to say happy Father's Day to my dad and thank him for giving me the genes, I guess, <laughs> to, to somehow really take on his business sense. I, I definitely got that from my dad. So thank you for essentially helping me to become the leader I'm able to be. Also for the work ethic that I have, that I've been able to give my heart and soul to this organization, to my baby, for teaching me what it's like to actually love and nurture a child because I'm using that and toggling it over to this organization. And I just hope that I can be as good of a parent to AI arthritis as you have been to me. I promise I will try to give it the best life and chance for success just like you have shown me. Thanks, Dad. And thank you to all of the fathers out there for all that you do. We invite you to take a seat at the table this time in way of a financial gift to keep this baby alive. You can donate by visiting aiarthritis.org backslash donate. Any amount of support is welcome. Thank you again for joining this special episode of AI Arthritis Voices 360. Have a fabulous Father's Day, all. AI Arthritis Voices 360 is produced by the International Foundation for Autoimmune and Autoinflammatory Arthritis. Find us on the web at www.aiarthritis.org. Join us again on Wednesday for our special breakout episode, where we bring your comments, questions, and ideas to the table. Also, 
be sure to subscribe to this podcast and stay up to date on all the latest AI arthritis news and events. Thank you.